but soft. What light, dear, yonder window breaks? Hold on, hold on. I thought you said we were rehearsing for the intro. Why in the heck are you reading Romeo and Juliet? I told you that this is what we were doing. I texted you about it last week and said, remember, for the 100th episode, we're going to do Shakespeare. Man, I never liked Shakespeare. And let me just digress by saying this is why I should have gotten that, that phone plan. You know, the unlimited text and unlimited data plan. I should have did that because, uh, you know, I'm out of text and out of minutes, uh, even though it happens to be 2023. But I will say this. I, you know, Shakespeare had his tights on way too tight. I mean, that stuff is pansy stuff. I ain't reading that. Well, I'm sorry that you are uncultured and you ruined the intro. But I guess this is the intro. So I guess it is. Kick off the 100th episode, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is the Donut Box Podcast, the 100th episode. That's right, anticlimactic, but that's exactly how we like it. It's the 100th episode. Man, we made it to triple digits. From here on in, we ain't gonna be in double digits no more, or even single digits no more. It's gonna be triple digits from here on in. How you feeling about that, man? That's crazy. We've been doing this for 100 weeks in a row. Yeah, it seems like it hasn't been that long, but then when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's already 100, and so it's very monumental for us. That just shows that if you keep persevering um, that it'll pay off because most podcasts they stop like before 100 episodes huh shoot you know i think statistically most stop within five like it's, it's really hard to keep consistent but um <clears throat> you know we've really enjoyed every minute of it it's been pretty crazy but uh of course this is the 100th episode so we're gonna do things a little different but first we want to shout out to all of our ogs who's been listening all the way since episode one all the way to right now because man You've made it all the way to 100 episodes. That's pretty crazy. It's great. I actually saw we got a new listener in Barbados, I think, recently. So that's kind of interesting. So if you're listening in Barbados, shout out to you. Welcome aboard the Donut Box Podcast. Ahoy, matey. I'll I'll say this. We love everybody all around the world. Trash Can International. We got to give a shout out to folks in Australia, over in Singapore, Brussels, Belgium, all throughout Europe, really. I mean, we got everybody all through the continents. Continent of Africa is blowing up right now, you know, all the way in, um, you know, North North America. We got uh, the United States, of course. What are some of the states within our wonderful home country? Uh, Texas is our home state. Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Washington, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Maine. All those good places. So, heck yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get started. And normally, we have a nice format. And we say, okay, here's the first donut out of the box. No, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. Chris and I are going to go back and forth. And what, what do you want to call this, Chris? I'm just going to say, what, what What do you think we should call it? I don't know. It's uh, it's more of a discussion. It's just like we're going to, we got a couple questions, got a couple topics where we're just going to be not debating them but discussing them we're going to be talking about life nowadays and should things be certain ways or should they not be certain ways i guess that's the best way you can describe it because a lot of them start with should. i think you got the first one what do you think all right so the very first one we're going to talk about should you be able to own an exotic animal as pets now let me give a precursor 
here in our home country of the United States, not every state will allow you to own exotic animals like lions, tigers, all sorts of, you know, boa constrictors, cobras, weird, crazy stuff, zebras, right? But some states will, like Oklahoma. So, um, Chris, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask your opinion first. Should you be able to own an exotic animal as a pet? Well, I think it depends on what it is, actually. And also, I think... I'm not going to say no, but I also think that you should probably have a license to be able to handle it. And I feel like in order to obtain that license, you need to go through a, a class or something. Um, because not every animal should be owned as a pet. So I'm kind of like, I'm not saying no, but I'm not going to go out and buy a zebra tomorrow. I mean, I guess a zebra would be okay because it's basically a horse. But like a predatory animal, you know, that's kind of a touchy subject. I still think you need to have some sort of licensed documentation because even something like a zebra, even though it may seem like a horse, I mean, do they eat like a horse? I'm I imagine they do, but I really don't have any idea. So at least some sort of research that goes into it. And I feel like there should be some sort of um, like proof that you re at least research how to do this or, you know, at least have some sort of experience, even if it's a small, like, taking of the test of, you know, here's how to feed them or whatever. I mean, we are talking about having to have a lot of jobs, and I guess that would fall under the USDA or something. I thought the USDA was the people that handled the beef. That's what I thought. <laughs> they do so. they do a lot of stuff with agriculture. Like they do a lot of they do like milk testing, making sure it's not like toxic. They do a lot of weird crazy stuff. My question is is do people just want to own exotic pets? Cuz I'm always like, man, I don't think I would want to own a lion or uh I know when we talked about this earlier, you were telling me that story about the guy who owned all those cobras and then they got out and like killed him basically yeah well in fact he just let him free roam like apparently he was like a snake wrangler by trade and in his apartment he just had a bunch of cobras that he just let out and kind of let free roam and had supposedly had them for months on end but then didn't show up to his job you know the typical story they bust down the door and find all these cobras you know loose and you know he'd been he'd been bit and killed so it's pretty crazy i, I don't know man Lions, tigers, big cats? Heck no. Heck no. You know, that's... First of all, there is... Unless you have a massive amount of land, there is no way that you are going to recreate that creature's habitat, and that's not that's not good. You have people like Carol Baskins out there <laughs> owning cats. Do we really want that? So my question is, is do, like, lion tamers and people that do, like, the shows at the fair, do they have a special license, or are they just, like, they just had... They just have the experience. They don't have the license, right? Or they don't need a license? That's a good question. I have no clue. I would imagine you'd have to get some sort of professional license or something like that to get hired at one of those things. I don't think you could just... I don't think I could walk up there with no accreditation or no license. Because, like, how else are they going to prove... If I walk up to... Like, Barnum & Bailey's not a thing anymore, right? But... Well, my question is, is there, like, a certain school that you go to? I mean, obviously, people that work in a zoo, they have to have, like, a, like a degree. But like I would I would think that you would because Barnum & Bailey Circus isn't a thing anymore, I don't think, right? Like, they're not, they're not in business anymore. No, it's the Ringling Brothers. The Ringling Brothers, there you go. So, pretty much, I, I don't feel like I could walk up to there or really any circus and say, yes, I'm a lion tamer. 
or whatever, right? And where's my accreditation? I feel like you have to have some sort of accreditation or some sort of proof that you, you're qualified to do this. I don't feel like you can just say that you've done it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think if you're going to own an exotic pet, you need to have it registered. You need to um, have training. You need to go through classes. You need to possess a special license. And not just that, but if it's like a... Sorry to interrupt. I think if it's like a big animal... You need to have some sort of proof that you actually can are gonna like provide it a big enough space too. Yeah, and you need like yearly visits or something like so the government can check on that stuff. I do not like government interfering with stuff, but with stuff like that, where that thing could get out and possibly hurt a whole bunch of people, yeah, it needs to be regulated heavily. Absolutely, especially you're talking about big cats all the way down to, you know poisonous lizards i ain't, i ain't playing with that these things are wild they're not meant to be had as pets they are meant to be in the wild one more note i'm gonna say on this too why it needs to be regulated by the government is a lot of this stuff take like boa constrictors down in florida people release them they become invasive species and then they become like super predators and then they ruin the whole ecosystem too so i feel like you really gotta because i mean what happens if a few pairs of lions get out right and are able to and all of a sudden we have the u.s version of the lion and maybe they don't have anything above them in the food chain okay well now what are we going to do yep for sure all right next question should you have to take a driving test in order to drive a large u-haul truck or a large moving truck yeah you absolutely should we know certain people that uh I know because we essentially had to be the little oversized load driver with the freaking, you know, walkie-talkie walking them through. Now you can merge lanes and everything. And his mind was swerving talking to us certain ways, but I digress. Anyways, the thing was, uh, you know, the large Penske truck is almost, it. I mean, it's a long length. And then you can rent a trailer on the back of it for, you know, an additional trailer or even for a car. I've seen those things tow cars. And you're talking about the almost the length of an 18-wheeler, and people with classy driver's licenses can drive them. That's insane. Like, that's... No. No, no, no. And here's the thing, bro. You just give your license to the U-Haul and the Penske people, and they're like, oh, as long as you have insurance, it's okay. We don't really check your driving record. Mind you, that person's not even good at driving on the regular road. Now you give them a 26-foot-long weapon that can wipe out a whole bunch of people. Up oh, here you go. Yeah, they let anybody drive those things. Yeah, any anybody. I mean, even if I'm not mistaken, you even for certain like RVs, you have to get a special like endorsement on your driver's license or something. And rightfully so, because driving an RV is something special. But I mean, I've driven some of those big Penske trucks, moving trucks, you know, U-Haul trucks, man. Like you got to be careful. It's a different kind of driving. Like you got to be, you got to be on your game a lot more, and you got to think about a lot more things. Also, too, once you load it up with uh, furniture and stuff, you got that weight in the back, and then, mind you, if you're traveling across the country with one of those U-Hauls or Penske trucks, and you're traveling up in the mountains or something, and you're traveling traveling in inclement weather, dude, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Like they, when I worked for the moving company. Like, they trained us. Like, we didn't have to go get a license, but we had to pass, like, certain written tests. We had to pass, like, all these paperwork things before we could be certified to drive. And so I'm like, I get it because they want 
it to not be as much liability on the company if you do cause an accident. But at the insurance. Yeah, but at the same time, man, it's like if they're taking that much time to train professionals, you need a special license or you need to have a certain class or something before you can just rent one. You know, and I would also be a little upset if they started doing this, so it's kind of a double-edged thing. But they at least need to sit you in there and have a goofy little video to show you or something. <laughs> at least give you a little something about, you know, here, when you're driving, here's some of the things you need to watch out for. Because you even sometimes have to watch out, and especially in those bigger trucks, like bridge clearances and all sorts of stuff. You think the average person is looking for bridge? Do you remember that one in Augusta? There was like a notorious bridge. They would call it the can peeler because literally it was so low that all the trucks would drive under it and it would peel the top off. Oh yeah, it's still there, my friend. It's still working. It's still doing its thing. I see posts like every six months of about a truck that tried to drive through there and then it either flipped or like, the top table and those again these are mostly professional drivers think about some grandpa with his class c driver's license you know moving you know i it's just it's insane yes you absolutely need to take a test or something i agree 100 percent. the next one uh should parents of unruly kids should they and their party be kicked out of whatever establishment they're in if the kids are unruly and the parents cannot control them. Yes, but I think there is a limit to it. There's one thing if the parent is trying, is actively trying to control their kid. That's one thing. But if your par- if the parents are just sitting there looking around like nothing's happening, they're letting their kids run amok, yeah, bro, kick them out. Because I'm telling you, kids should not just be allowed to run. Now, if it's somewhere like Chuck E. Cheese, or somewhere like Chick-fil-A, that's different. But if you're like in a sit-down restaurant, you're at the Applebee's or Texas Roadhouse or something, and you got kids running around and the parents aren't doing anything, yes, kick them out. It reminds me of being at the Red Robin with uh, with my wife and her grandparents and the little kids running up. And, I mean, parents weren't doing nothing. They started grabbing fries off of fiance's ta- or fiance at the time, but wife's table, man, so mad, you know. It's just like you gotta you gotta be watching your kids. You gotta be watching, and it's not like they weren't sitting right there. They just blatantly ignored it. That kind of stuff is just it's because it's spilling over and disrupting the cust- the comfort of the other guests. That's what it's doing. So you need to kick them out. I will say though, like you gotta make sure that place has cameras though, because like you know people always are like he said, she said, but I mean. I think restaurants still technically have the right to refuse service to anybody, right? Within reason. They do. I I think what's hard now is, you know, you refuse somebody's service. Now they hop on Google and make a bad review, right? You know, something like that. And it's, it's really easy to get influenced negatively really quickly online. So I think people try not to do that as much as possible well i'm saying that's why i'm saying you should have cameras so then you can just post the footage and be like yep sorry about you see these people were acting a straight up fool and have the audio on the cameras too the manager gives them one warning and then if they keep letting their kids run amok then they get kicked out i'm telling you bro because that like that just fries my donuts when parents are not like and control their kids, whether that the grocery store, the restaurant, whatever, and the kids are just running around. And especially when they're like touching everything or like pushing everything over and 
making a big mess, and it's like, and the parents don't make them clean it up. Oh, so like it's cleaning it up. Uh, I remember at boot corral, kids climbing between all the boots and like using it as like little tunnels and knocking all the boots out. The one that gets me though, I don't know why, and maybe it's because I've had to clean too many glass doors, is watching kids like at the door just like dragging their hands on the clean door and making like handprints on purpose. Like I understand it, but as a kid, I, I, I get it. But at the same time, a lot of times you'll have parents just like looking and you're going, you know that somebody's going to have to now clean all of that because your child put their nasty hands all over the, like, I don't know why that drives me nuts. Yes, it drives me nuts too. So yes, it is one of the things that fries my donuts. I do think parents should control their kids. All right, next one. This is going to be a controversial topic. Should old people be held accountable for their actions? Darn right. And let me clarify something. I'm not talking about the stuff like, oops, it was an accident. Like, legitimate accident. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the whole, like, well, I should be able to because I'm old. Or, like, I, you know, it's so, it's so hard to explain because it's such a fine line, right? Because, yes, old people do make mistakes. But then they will ride that wave a lot. You know what I'm saying, Chris? I'm talking about old people being rude and being entitled and just saying whatever they want and be like, oh, yeah, I'm old, and nobody even says anything about it. Like, old people will make racist remarks or they'll make sexist remarks or they'll just be absolutely rude to waiters and waitresses or other customer service people. No, for sure. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I just mean more like... I don't know. Some some old people can be making mistakes as far as, like, they'll be using terms that they don't necessarily know what they mean for nowadays and stuff like that versus people being actually rude. Like, I don't know. Sometimes old people be saying some things and just like, I don't think you understand what that means in nowadays terms. But I'm talking, like, exactly what Chris is saying. I'm talking about the racism is what gets me. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of old people that be racist, man. And, it, you know, I get that it's a part of certain generations and things like that, but it just, it just isn't cool. Or the fact that they think that they can like, insert different things into your life, like political advice as well, like uh, unwarranted political advice. Or they just like break the rules just because they don't care no more. Like if it says to go one way and they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And then they just go against that one way. Like, the flow of traffic, like, they'll be intentionally walking against the flow of traffic. They're like, yeah, I'm old. Get out of my way. I'm old, so you should make room for me. I'm like, y'all are kind of... Yeah, and then on the other front, kind of what I was talking about, too, I've seen a lot of old people go, well, oh, it was just an accident. I didn't really mean to go that way, but they actually did, and they're just kind of covered up for it because they don't want to seem wrong. I've seen that happen a lot, too, and it's just like, come on. I think it's like the being rude is what really gets me. It's like they're so demanding, and they're like, they're like, you need to fill up my drink now. And it's like, or we didn't get our food right on time. And it's like they'll make the biggest stink about it. The ones, I'm, like, I'm going to call you all out. Some of the boomers can be the worst. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that some of you all are old, some of you all are kind of on the fringe. But I don't know. It's just like, it's just like I could, I could see that the, the ways of my day are dead now because of what you're doing and the fact that you're not providing this level of service and you're just like, uh, 
I don't know what you want me to do. It's like, I've got a size 12, not a size 11. I'm so sorry. Like, and they'll just like, they'll make it sound like, oh man, the whole country is going to hell because you didn't have this in the back. It's like, oh, okay. Don't even get me started on the tipping. Don't even get me started on that. Old people don't tip for nothing, bro. They'll be like, yeah, here's $2. Don't spend it all in one place. And it's like, bro, that per that person can't live on $2. Oh, I'm, I, I kid you not. I actually knew this woman, right? She had um, tipping amounts to the T. She would refuse to tip more than 10%. But she had five, seven and a half, and 10, like, posted in her wallet of, like, different dollar amounts. Like, if it was 20 bucks, it'd be this and this. And she would tip down to the penny of, like, 5%. I'm t I kid you not. And it was because at one point, 5% was, I guess, the going rate, right, of, like, what should be done. She just never moved on from that. So everybody's like, she would tell you, too. She goes, everybody says 10%, but I'm going to do 5 Oh, okay. But she would down to the penny. I always hated it because I would always get two bucks and I was like, oh, man, like, thanks for the two dollars. Thanks for the one dollar that helped me out a lot. Like, I really, especially the job you were working, it's like, yeah, I woke up early for that. Serve you some freaking hollandaise and get my two dollar tip. All right, man, you ready to move to the next one? All right. Should we change the military age of like enlistment and enrollment to 21 currently in the United States? It's 18. I think we should change it to 21 you want to know why why is that because most 18 year olds are knuckleheads man you want you want an 18 year old with a with the ak-47 bro i don't think so man or a weapon of any kind grenades anything my thing was when we talked about this was like oh yeah you can serve in our military but you can't drink and i'm like i don't think we should lower the drinking age in this country because again 18 year olds with alcohol idiots absolute idiots 21's your i mean heck even 21 year olds with alcohol exactly idiots. um how, how do you feel about it man i i think so too i think so too it's just i i don't know i i think that how can you again how can you how can you not drink but you can die for your country like that's kind of a weird that doesn't make any sense never really has um and plus I mean, like Chris was saying, the difference between when I was 18 and 21, as far as my awareness, my knowledge, like seriously, if, if I was forced to go into battle or do something, you know, military wise, you would have definitely wanted me at 21 versus 18, just from experiences, from the wisdom I had gained. I mean, you'd be surprised in those three years, what you, what you pick up. Yeah. Cause at 18, you're like, Oh man, I'm away from home. I'm out of my mom and dad's house. I can go crazy. And then you make the worst decisions. You're like, oh man, I'm 18. I can drink. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to get married. It's all that. It's wild. I'm not saying that those things don't work out. I'm just saying when you're 18, you don't have that much life experience. You think you do, but you really don't. Well, and I'll tell you this much from uh, the view of a former military kid, I'll tell you this much. Or, you know, all around military bases are 18 year old traps. I'll tell you that much. You got, you know, all the bars that don't card, right? So they're already, you know, underage drinking. But I think the biggest ones, you have your title pawn places, right? And then you have your cheap car dealerships that stock it full of 
uh, like chargers and challengers and they'll charge an exorbitant amount and they know that these 18 year olds who've just gotten their signing bonus will come hit town and spit you know it, it's such a countless story of you know you they buy a car at a stupid high interest rate they get married to some you know anyways we're not going to go there and they have it's like i don't know going in at 18 it sounds like a lot of bad decisions i'm not saying going in at 21 would be a lot better but i think you would have a lot less of that result <laughs> all i have to say is you were never there for me even after i came home from iraq you were never there for me listen <laughs> They'll maybe fight you in the front yard. Well, I, I do think they should raise the age. And again, man, like you're 18 years old. But like from what I heard, like the military, you don't make that much. No, unless you go in as an officer, like and that's you have to have a college degree to, to get there. You really don't make anything. Uh, it's pretty low unless it's unless it's wartime and you're going to go into battle. People that go to war make lots of money. But at the same time, you're risking your life. So it's that give and take. That is true. It's that hazard pay. That yeah. Gotta pay. <laughs> they they sure. call it combat pay. That's that's how they make that sound better. All right. This is kind of a controversial one right now. It's a very hot button issue. Should we slow down on AI, artificial intelligence? Should we slow down on it? Hell yeah. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. Pump the brakes, back the truck up. That's all I got to say. Because... So I'm in the IT industry, right? AI is scary, okay? And this is just the AI that we're seeing. I can already guarantee you that the government's been playing with it for 20, 30 years now. If we're seeing this now, basically we're seeing tip of the iceberg of what's already been discovered. Um, the scary part is the amount of intelligence that could be gathered, uh, the amount of things that it can do. And not just that, but it's you know going to fall into malicious hands. And think about it. It's it's self-learning code in some instances, right? So you're thinking about, yes, there are parameters set, but what happens when you have a uh, proverbial madman, right? Like the mad scientist character who puts together a really, really in-depth AI platform and, you know, it, it could do some real damage to a lot of infrastructure because everything is connected nowadays. Everything, so... It's it's a scary thing, man. It's a scary thing. It so it reminds me of iRobots, what it reminds me of. All I'm saying is there have been too many movies, too many movies predicting this stuff. And we're like, oh yeah, those were just movies. Nah, they were predicting this stuff. I mean, think about it. The Incredibles, what was that robot? A self-learning robot. And it got stronger and stronger. It would learn humans' attacks. And it would counter them and mirror them and use it against them and i'm like sounds like ai but what's really weird is like i feel like the past six months or year it's been really like ai heavy like i hear everything now about ai this ai that and my buddy was telling me um because like i said i work for a church and he works on the announcement videos and he was like i you know with the ai we could take an announcement person have the video and then set up the ai so that if they're not there or if they you know, we need to reshoot something. We can just queue up the AI and it looks just like them, sounds just like them and everything. And I'm like, boy, that's a dangerous game, man. Dangerous it's game. It's creepy because there was a lot that used to happen with, um, <clears throat> like I remember there was a bunch of viral videos that came out. Like there was one, 
about a hawk taking a baby. Do you remember that one? But it ended up being fake, but it was just really good CGI. Now that AI has come into play, it's really freaky. It's really freaky. So you know that video that's gone really viral, and it's Gary Busey, and he's talking about buttered sausages, and it's like he's rambling on about buttered sausages, and you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Have you have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that one at the all. The whole video is... It's not really him. He never said any of that. It was a whole fake interview that was all AI. And it literally conformed his face, made it look like he was talking, everything. And you couldn't tell the difference. Dude, that's a whole conspiracy there, too. Because, I mean, think about it, bro. Like, you have the president up there. All you have to do is just hit a video. President didn't even have to say that. And then you send it out. Is Biden really dead? (laughs) He's been dead for six months now. (laughs) What I'm saying is, dude, like you have the, you know, like somebody like, you know, terrorist or something. They want to like start a war and be like, oh, yeah, the president said X, Y and Z. They play with that A.I. President never said that. Next thing you know, you got a war on your hands. And you want to talk about disinformation galore. I mean, people already believe in stuff that are highly fake that are, you know, really identifiably fake. Imagine AI gets really powerful. It's going to be really hard to tell real from fake, which is going to be an interesting game, man. It's going to be really interesting. That's why I think we should really slow up. It can be very useful, but, you know, with great power also become comes great responsibility, as we know in every other sense. So that's why it's like we got to be responsible, and I'll be honest with you with how powerful this thing can be. I don't think we should trust humans with human nature. I think we should uh, limit it and limit it hard. Exactly, dude. And like on the other side of that, um, I know that that was part of the writer's strike is they were concerned because people were using AI to write their stuff. And like I've heard of pastors using chat GBT to uh, write their sermons. Now, and I'm now like, I don't agree with that. I, You know, my thing is this is going to sound bad. But as a man of the cloth, as a man of the clergy, Sunday is your prime time, man. That is when you need to be laying it down, and that is when you need to be leading your flock. Like, that's what you're there for, man. Chat GPT is just lazy. That's just lazy, man. It is lazy, man. That's what really what it is. It's like, man. But yes, AI is like, like I said, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. It can do this. It can do that. And I'm like, Man, like, you're taking the human element out of stuff. You're making people lose jobs. Like, let's think about this. It's like the Jurassic Park thing, bro. It's like, I think Jeff Goldblum said scientists were so focused on if they could create it that they they didn't stop and think if they should. And that's how it is with AI. It's like, bro, we need to pump the brakes on this. I'm telling you right now. But you know what? What do I know? The hard part is, the hard truth about there is, We'll get too far in it, and we'll see the dangers of it, and then we'll pull back. It won't be until we have a problem. I think that's enough talking about AI, because I can get fired up, and I can keep talking about it forever and ever. So the next one's a little bit different. Um, Here's the question. Should urination in public be legal? And here's the the caveat. I'm not talking about uh, for males, you know, whipping it out, or for females going and popping a squat in front of everybody and making it a spectacle. I'm talking if you're on a long road trip and the next rest stop is 67 miles away, you pull over on the side of the road and you let it rip. Should that be illegal? Because currently right now, cops can pull you over and ticket you or take you to jail. I'm saying no. You know why? Because that's just nature. That's just nature. I'm telling you, man. Man, if you got to go, you got to go. As long as you are not exposing yourself to other people, mainly kids or anybody else, 
I think you're okay. If you're going behind a tree, you're good. As long as you're covered up and it's not in the public sight, you're doing it your business in nature, no big deal. If you're in Lubbock, Texas, behind a car should do as long as you're trying to block it somehow. Exactly. Yep. That's a, Now, hold on. You didn't add this to it, but we talked about this. In the wind. Out of the no, wind. <laughs> but we didn't talk about that. But should you be penalized for peeing in a public pool? Should you be penalized and ticketed for peeing in a public pool? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about that. I think it's a bad habit. I think it's really bad. We were talking about should they have the blue dye, too, like they had in what? What was that movie, Grown Ups, where they had the pool with blue dye? Yeah, it's it's like we find out you not only are you yanked from the pool, but you get fined. I'm down with that. Either that or you get kicked out of the pool f- for good. Every pool should have the blue dye and number two you should be ticketed if you pee in the pool now if you're a kid i don't know how you handle that situation i guess ticket the parents i don't know but at the same time man it's like bro that's not the place because that's very unsanitary dude like that's just nasty yeah i've heard a lot of people say like oh well the chlorine kills all the bacteria and it's like i don't know man it's like you're still peeing in the pool like it's nasty you shouldn't do it like kids i'll tell you what if that's why you have a kiddie pool on the side right you know they're gonna pee galore let them you know have fun in the kiddie pool but you better not do it in the regular that's what i'm saying dude but yes I, number one, I think you should be able to urinate in public as long as you are closed off behind a tree, behind something. If you got to go, you got to go. Um, and you should be ticketed if you pee in a public pool or a hot tub. All I'm saying, too, is that also teaches kids and everybody not to urinate in, in water spots. Because I'll tell you this much. Certain places you go swimming in natural lakes and rivers, you don't want to be urinating. I'll just let you know. It's like you got them, you got them crazy. Fi- I mean, most most of the time, not in the U.S., but there are some that are just like, yeah, they'll they'll do some damage to you. They'll they'll follow that stream of peace. So don't be doing uh, that. I think the next one I have is: should the job interview process change, or is there another question before that? There is one, but we can we can I can do the one before that after this one. I think yeah. Listen, the job interview format, and what I'm talking, and what we're talking about with the whole job interview format, I'm talking like. The resume submitting, I think resumes are dumb as mess, to be honest with you. Because it really, I mean, it's hard to showcase who you are. But I feel like there is not a standardized format. Like, I think resumes would be better if everybody knew how to write them in a standardized format. Because certain businesses will be like, oh yeah, this resume is great for me. And then other businesses will be like, oh no. But nowadays, here's the hard part. And why I think one thing that definitely needs to change, speaking of AI and bots, you send your resume to most people or to some people, they will check before it even gets in front of a person. They'll do a preliminary check of keywords in there. And if it doesn't match keywords, then the application won't even see the next step, which is normally a regular person. So you might even have the best thing, you know, you volunteered with old people on the weekends and all this other stuff, right? And you're the perfect candidate for this job. But because you're missing one requirement that the bot saw that you didn't have, you're not going to get your resume looked at, right? So that's already a hard part, getting your foot in the door. So I think that definitely needs to change. 
But I'll stop there. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think so because honestly, you can't really tell like someone from a piece of paper. I get you want to do the job interview and that's all that good stuff and a resume is just a kickoff point. But you're right, man. Like that person could look great on paper, but that person could be a horrible team player. That person could be just absolutely the worst. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. And some places are like, yeah, we don't really care about your resume. So it's always been kind of like a, eh, should I send it in? Do I send it in? Do I not? Like, And then there's the whole question about cover letter. You know, it's like, I'll be honest, I've sent cover letters sometimes and it didn't seem to do me a lick of good. So a lot of times I just send the resume over because like, what am I going to cover letter? I'll be honest. Cover letters just like brown nosing them like, oh, I would love to be a part of your company when you I mean, if we're being honest here, I guess. OK, I'm going to go into what fries my donuts a little bit. Nobody unless you really love the career that you're in, there's absolutely nobody that is actually going in there and, you know, in an interview process and they feel the way that they say, you know, they got to get a job. What, what are they going to say? They're not going to be like, yeah, I'm here for the check. Yeah, I'm here for the check. Yeah, I'm here for the check. You know, the whole thing is a big lie. How how big can you sell yourself and make yourself look like a butt kisser pretty much? It's like, how how much could you be like, oh, I just I just would love to love to be with this company. You know, it's like, no, you don't care less about this company. You'll be a mile down the road on the next interview if you get denied from this one. I mean, my question is, is then what would you change? How would you change it? For me, the format's a little interesting for me. I think we need to give people a trial. If you need to hire, let's say, you know, even on a small batch sort of thing, say you need to hire two employees, you hire four, right? With the expectancy and you tell them the expectancy of, hey, I'm going to, in 90 days, we're going to keep two of you and we're going to let two of you go. Now, the caveat to that is you make it the best dang place to work you could possibly imagine, right? And so to make them want to stay and make them want to change, create some healthy competition. And I'm not talking about being mean to the people and everything like that. You compensate them well. You make them strive to be like, man, I really want to work here. I really want to work here. I don't want to be. And the the thing about it too, say you're a part of those two, like let's say all four are great. You still have to let go two of them. And man, um, you know, you don't want to. Well, who's to say that next hiring round, you not only pick them up on, again if they're available, but they kind of have a little bit more of a leg up because they've seen what you've done already. I don't know. That's kind of... So basically what you're telling me is you want like the Hell's Kitchen approach because that's what Hell's Kitchen is. Hell's Kitchen is one big job interview. That's really what it is. Like they're all trying to fight for that job. For two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even just. But at the same time, it's not trying to put them through pressure. It's also trying to, yes, you have ninety days to do it, but you give them a normal environment of here's the work that I need you to do, and see how they perform during that time. And not, I'm not trying to be like Gordon Ramsay or anything like that, and be like you're not good enough or whatever, right? But make it a normal environment and just. 90 days comes down the line, we make a decision. And the thing is, who's to say, again, if if all four are great, who's to say we don't keep all four and find spots for them if they're really that good? I think more jobs need to, um, before they hire, they need to like do personality tests and strengths finders tests so they can know, okay, this person may be good, but like 
their personality is not really going to gel mesh or with our team or their strengths are not really good for this position. You know, and I think the hardest part, and I've hired some people and, you know, had, had some stuff like this go on with as manager. It is so hard because you'll go off the resume, you'll go off of what they're saying, and, man, they might talk the best game in town, but then they get in there and it was all a bucket of lies, right? How are you going to be able to tell from that from a, a interview or even two interviews? I've done a phone interview and an in-person interview. Guy fleeced me twice. Fleeced my fleeced two other people too. Just made us made us think, man, this guy is the bee's knees. And then they get into the job role and go, man, they lied to us like you wouldn't believe. So it's just hard because that's why I like the trial by fire way. You know, it's definitely difficult. And it would definitely be a difficult way to sustain as a business because you're talking about you're having to hire double essentially to begin with, or even if you don't hire double, you're hiring extra. So that's that's an extra cost, and you're having to make it the best environment possible. The best environment possible costs money, right? But that's a lot of the times when you want the best of the best, you got to pay the best of the best. So it's it's just hard. But <clears throat> I think that's ideally there's probably some flaws in that way too. But ideally, I think that would work. That way, at least you get an idea of... Because, you know, they get a little bit into it and you're giving them the work. And it's already kind of that contingency of you might not get this job. You know, they even get a few days into it and you're like, man, you're just not meshing with the business. I'm just going to have to let you go. Make it real easy, right? Always, this is a little tip for you folks at home. Always ask, what are your expectations of the person in this role? And ask what is the vision of this business or this company because that'll tell you real quick if you're like, yeah, I can get on board with that or no, I can't. Now, Walmart, they're going to lie to you. but Well, and you know, the crazy thing to me is too, <clears throat> if you're ever interviewing somebody to hire somebody, um, ask, ask them adversely, what uh, what is the job role that you're applying for? That's a big one. You know why? You'd be surprised how many people be like, oh, I don't know. And they don't even know what they've applied for, what they're interviewing for, like what the title is. And you know that you know what that tells you? They didn't even take the time to really read and prepare themselves for, I mean, even the basic of, you know, what are you, what are you interviewing for today? We can move to the next one. So next one pertains to politics, politicking. Um... Should there be term limits on all politicians? So some states, some entities, some different, you know, parts of our government here in the United States, there are term limits for people. And that means, you know, you can only be in four-year terms. You know, I think most term limits are twice. But yeah, so term limits, they should have four. Um, you know, most of them are four years, I think, or I'm sorry, terms are four. There's two terms typically, and that's normally the term limit. So should all politicians have term limits? Yes, they should. Because honestly, I think right now the president is like the only one that has the term limits, I think. In our federal government, yes. In our state governments, it's a little different. But yeah, in our federal government, man, what we have the big problem with is, uh, these lifelong politicians who have been there since the early ages, um, whenever, when they can be minimally, wherever, whichever branch that they're in, whenever they can be minimally elected, you know, they've been there since now and now they're, you know, that 
freezing up on camera and having to take their dementia medication backstage. So it's one of those things. I definitely think we need term limits. Yeah, we do for sure, man. And that would help make sure that there was plenty of uh, like fresh young blood. It kind of would change things up, man. Um, Cause I'm sick of seeing like these 80 year old, 70 to 80 year old people that are like, they're running our country and they're just, bro, they are not making the right choices, dude. I'm telling you. And they're the ones that drive the country. And so it's like, they've been in power for so long that, you know, they, they can pull the pup puppet strings. They have all the connections and stuff. And so I'm like, yes, I think they should have, uh, you should be limited to at least three to four terms in the Senate and the House, for sure. At least three to four, yeah, senators and representatives. Congress should have term limits no more than three or four. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Just, yeah. It, it's just insane to me how a lot of these people have held on for so long. There are some that are proven corrupt. It's just amazing how much funding that they get. And how many people will still vote for them because of the name Cough Cough? His last name is Cruz. All right. So, <laughs> what do you? What else do you think about that, man? Do you have anything else to add on that? No, one? I just again, I think that the system. Again, if we're gonna have the president have term limits, and that didn't happen until FDR. Um, yeah, but that dude but stayed in freaking four straight terms, which would have been sixteen freaking years. I would have wanted term limits after that so i think the senators and the people that are passing the laws and stuff i think they should have uh similar term limits as well yes please so i don't have to see mitch mcconnell's non-chinned behind up on that stage anymore or nancy pelosi's old witch bag eyes bag face yeah or chuck schumer's stupid shoe looking face uh <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a vampire yeah, dude. Like the dude looks like actually dead. Like I swear he's Dude, some dead. of them I some of them do look dead. You know, they've been revitalized thanks to AI. Thank you, C SPAN and AI. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got I've got one more. Should we have stricter gun control in the US? And that's a very controversial one. Here's the problem with that. The thing is no matter how much gun control you have, people are still going to get guns. Like, they just are. Like, the people that want to do bad, they're going to they're gonna get the guns. And so, it's like, if you try to have gun control, people, crime is still going to happen. I 100% agree. I'm going to point back to something. Um, we, we tried something in our country, and every time we tried to restrict something in our country... You know, something remarkable happens. Take Prohibition, for instance. Was Prohibition something that was a massive success? Absolutely not. It was a massive failure, wouldn't you say? I mean, it was... That's how stock car racing got started. Like NASCAR, I don't know if y'all know this, but NASCAR got started because bootleggers started racing their cars. I mean, it became a ginormous industry. It, it's insane. But besides that, anytime there has been more restriction on something, the worse it's gotten. And the more underground it's gotten. And the more underground something gets, the worse it gets. I'll put it to you this way. Chicago right now has the most gun legislation per, you know, of anywhere in the United States pretty much. And you know what they be calling it? They be calling it Chirac. Because 
the gun violence is so bad. Like, I mean, it's it's one of the worst statistics in the United States, too. But what it, I feel like what it does is when you restrict something like that, it then creates people's, people have a need for something, right? So people have a need to, and they People want, are going to find what they can get. You know, exactly. Like, they're going to feel that need. They're going to feel the need, but also, too, the criminals are going to be like, oh, now we can capitalize on this. Now we can make money because this is restricted. Now we can actually make more money for us. We don't have to report it to the government because it's technically illegal. And so then they're like, oh, yeah. And then people get into squabbles like, no, this is my territory where I sell. No, this is my territory where I sell. And so then you and got then violence gets violence, even worse. Bro. And guess what? Now it's violence with underground pot weapons. <laughs> so it's. It's not good at all. I think the biggest thing for me, if if there was anything gun control or gun related that I would change that I've never quite understood, it's it's something that I've taken advantage of, but I still don't understand it, is um, the gun show laws, right? To where anybody can walk into a gun show and walk out without a gun. But see, here in the United States, if you were a convicted felon or anything like that, you can't own a gun. Like, that's that's how it is. But if you go to a gun show... You can go buy one. I thought I'm pretty sure they do a background check, right? I'm, I'm, I think they do a background check. Not at gun shows, they don't. I feel like that's maybe changed. I, I would, I would agree with you, but we went to, I went to one a few months ago and had a buddy buy a gun, and it was just hand him the cash, get the certificate from it, and he bought the gun. Yeah, gun control is a uh, tricky topic, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I would still, I would not want my ability to be able to own a gun and protect myself be restricted oh no heck no my thing is you know it's i think we need to have more help for the people um because a lot of what's been happening and a lot of our problems is because we got a lot of people with some uh with some mental issues right and they need help and so i think a lot of that needs instead of focusing on that we need to focus on people's mental health and getting people right instead of talking because a gun is just a tool, not the not the you know person pulling the trigger. So it's, I I don't think it's the guns that we need to restrict. I think that it's uh we need to help those people that need to be helped. Exactly right, because the gun, a gun in the hands of a uh, a bad person can do harm, but like the guns in the hand of a police officer or some, a good police officer can help save somebody's life. So it just it just all depends. You know, people are all conflicted about it all that stuff well cool though do you have like a bonus question i got one more this one is a really hot button one should high schoolers and college athletes get paid to play sports it's a very new one absolutely not they should not get paid to play sports they are there for education and number two it's not fair to everybody else i feel like because everybody else is busting their hump. They're trying to work for an education. They're trying to make a way for themselves. And I'm sorry, bro, but I feel like high school and football, high school football and college football players, they get a lot of stuff handed to them. And then they get paid on top of that. And you're an 18-year-old kid making like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, no, 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 sir. No, the highest contracts now are in the millions. The highest paid High school athlete, I think I think they said something like six million, something like that, in all of his endorsements. Yeah, it's uh, they're kids, man. 
they are kids. They they're making NFL money. They're making NFL money. Yep. They should be focusing on school, not like yes, if you're gonna do football as a career, you want to be in the NFL. Totally get that, man. I totally get that. You should work hard for your dream. Totally get that. But you need to put in the work, go through the education, and get through school like the rest of us, bro. And so I I don't think they should be paid at all. Here's what I think. So high schoolers, heck no. Listen, listen, you're still in public school, man. You don't know what to do with it. And trust me, some of these parents I wouldn't trust with that money neither. So we ain't going – I just don't think that's good. After they're 18 – AKA when they get to when they get to college, it's a little bit of a different story. But here's what I think personally: the biggest problem that NCAA had with the whole you know in you know name and likeness rules and all this other stuff, right? Um, I I do agree that like if we bring up the example of Tim Tebow, right? Tim Tebow made the University of Florida like a ton of money because of all the jersey sales and all this other stuff while he was there. Tim Tebow didn't see any of it. There's a lot of players like Reggie Bush and like a lot of people that get mad at that, right? Universities made a lot of money off of their backs and they didn't get paid. I understand that. I get that. Here's what I think. If the university, instead of instead of having these NIL deals, right, these big, you know, like... University of Utah, I don't know if you heard about this. Every player that is on scholarship for the University of Utah, their NIL deal now includes a brand new truck that they get to drive the entire time while they're at the university, and that's part of the deal. And it's becoming like one of these recruiting packaging deals. It's who has the most money or who has the biggest perks or, ooh, if I go to Utah, I get to drive a new truck the entire time. Like, it's insane. It'll it'll come back down, but what I honestly think needs to happen is more regulation to move it to the center. I feel like it's swung way over to the other end of the pendulum of like, okay, we're going to allow all this money in and it needs to come back down. What I honestly think would have solved all the problem instead of just letting it all go like they have, pretty much hold that money back. So say it's Tim Tebow, right? All those jersey sales, all that stuff that's happened, hold that money back until they graduate from college. Don't give it to them while they're in college. And it's a percentage of it. I'm not saying you give them all the jersey sales proceeds, right? But whatever percentage is in there, cool. But you give it to them after they graduate. And the contingency is they graduate. Isn't that a win-win, right? Now you know for sure they have their college education. And then after they get out, they get all the money. So they're more inclined. They want to graduate, right? I would think if you get hundreds of thousands of dollars, or even millions of dollars, you'd want to graduate. So whether you're going to the NFL or not, you're going to pay out. I think that's a better deal. I say pay the fine arts kids too. That's what I'm saying. Give more money <laughs> right? to the fine arts, man. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it gets under my skin of how... E- oh, it's how icky, easy man. they it's have icky. it, bro. They get a free ride. And then we wonder, oh, wait. Oh, man, why did they get arrested? Oh, wait, because they were think they can just go out and do whatever they want. Next thing you know, they go to the club, shoot somebody up. Well, and the part that gets me, too, is especially in Division One schools, um, a lot of players were like, yeah, the scholarship money was just not enough. But a lot of these schools would get – you would get your room and board paid for, you would get your food paid for, you'd get everything paid for, and then you'd get a twelve to $1,500 stipend every month, right? 
like to spend and you know get groceries and do all this other stuff. The biggest problem, yeah, you know why it doesn't go too far, why twelve, fifteen hundred dollars don't go too far? It's because you out there living on your own and doing whatever. If you were just living the nice they even put you in the nice dorms, the sports dorms, right? Like if you just live in the dorms and chill out all your like you can do it for free if you really wanted to. But it's because you You literally do not have to go get a job. But you're like, no, oh, I got to go out, buy everything. And that is why also this ties into the whole military thing. This is why we shouldn't let 18-year-olds in there because they're essentially in the same spot without, you know. Yeah, anyways. All right. But, yeah, man, that's all the topics we had. Um, 100th episode, we just ran through that. I can't believe it's, you know, time flies when you're talking. Yeah, man. Well, it's good. I'm glad that you guys joined us for this episode. Uh, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program uh, next week. So, uh, yeah, man, it's been a fun time. Tell them where they can go check us out. TVTrashCan.com. That's TVTrashCan.com. we got plenty of good stuff coming up. So check it out. And um, go check out our socials, YouTube, all that good jazz. We appreciate you from wherever you're listening from. Man, triple digits. We made it to triple digits. That's incredible. It's like the Texas weather during the summertime, always in triple digits, just like we're going to be from here on in. Hopefully the weather's not triple digits next summer like it was this summer. Because it was hot. It was unbelievable hot. It was too hot. I'll tell you how hot it was. Now that it's like 70, it feels cold outside. Anyways, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to take this donut box out to the trash number 100. Well, uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this has been the 100th episode of the Donut Box Podcast.